Today with Sarah McInerney. Uh, another text from an elderly woman or a person who says, I am an elderly woman, but my granddaughter lives with me and she's just about to start secondary school. We're extremely worried about this because if she were to pick up the virus in school and bring it home to me, I'd be in serious difficulty. I cannot see how she will be able to safely go back to school. And do keep your text coming to 51551 or to um, at Today Radio RTE. Uh, I think that issue of grandparents and, and children is going to be a big one over the next couple of months because we've all got used to having our grandparents and children back together. I think to a certain extent Um, so do get in contact if you have any similar type stories. Now I want to turn to one of the stories that has dominated newspaper headlines over the weekend and that is the resignation of Falter Ireland Chairman Michael Cawley. He stepped down on Saturday after a report in the Irish Independent revealed that he had travelled to Italy on holiday. In a statement Michael Cawley said he had resigned with great regret saying he did not want the issue of his pre-arranged family holiday to Italy to distract from the work of Falter Ireland in rebuilding the Irish tourism industry. Minister for Tourism Catherine Martin said she had accepted his resignation and said she was disappointed to learn that the chair of Falter Ireland was holidaying in Italy. Now there is heavy criticism of his decision to holiday abroad when the government are urging at the same time for people to go on staycations but some question whether he should have been forced to resign at all. So to discuss this further I'm joined on the line by Michael Vaughan who is owner of Vaughan's Lodge Hotel in La Hinch and own Cari, editor of Air and Travel magazine. Um, um, Owen, your thoughts on this. Was it right that Michael Cawley resigned? A bit of trial by Twitter going on here. Good morning, Sarah. Um, he was a casualty of the complete uh, lack of uh, clarity of what's going on with Ireland's travel policy. It's full of contradictions. It's full of fractures. And uh, we saw on Saturday, Michael Cawley fell right down the middle of one of those fractures. Mm. Is, is, it, is it full of contradictions, though, or is the overall message pretty clear? Don't go abroad. <laughs> The overall message isn't clear at all because the government has withdrawn from the conversation on travel. We haven't really had any input from the, either the previous government or the current government on that side. And into the into the vacuum, we've stepped everybody with an opinion, a merry-go-round of medical opinion with different uh, models that we should be following. And uh, a pretty much an uncontested narrative from uh, um, Neffet um, that, you know, as they're rightfully pursuing their goal of uh, zero zero infections, COVID infections within Ireland, that travel should uh, be not be part of that plan at all. There hasn't been any checks and balances. There hasn't been any counter argument at official level. And um, as a result, we had uh, accidents waiting to happen, such as Michael Cawley on Saturday. What do you make of it, Michael Vaughan? You welcomed his resignation. Well, I do, because I, I think the, the optics, you know, the green jersey is very important to wear that jersey this year, and, and especially the, the head of, of the uh, Tourism Development Agency. It was right and proper that that, that action was taken. I think that the minister moved fast, and indeed, Mr. Corley took the honourable uh, decision there. And uh, it's something that around the country would be welcomed, because people are struggling really badly in the tourism sector this year. Uh, and yet, at the moment, we're hearing that Italy, it's, it's 12 or 14 day incidence rate of, of COVID is lower than Ireland's at the moment. So Michael Colley went to a country that's on the government's green list and that is actually safer at the moment than Ireland is. I know, but you see, it's, it's not so much even that, it's, it's, it's the optics. You know, we've, as chair of, of Fort Child over the year, they're very visible, they tour the country, they get involved with the industry and they really get 
when the business is really as tough as it is now, it's a position that needs to get in with the trade and to be seen to be supporting the trade. And, and, and that wasn't uh, a thing that really was felt supportive. People felt a little betrayed in, 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 the, in the industry. Mm. And I think the right decision was made. Yeah, and we, ha- we have a texter sort of echoing that own. Uh, this person says, Michael Cawley's resignation is about a question of leadership. Irish hospitality business is on its knees and the chairman of Falter Ireland heads off abroad. I think it's wrong in most people's eyes, says that texter. And indeed, so too says Michael. Yeah, it's the sad thing is that um, it, it is really the leadership isn't coming from the places that it should be, which is at government level. The uh, Fault Ireland committed very, very heavily to getting a, re- a product ready and a very, very short notice uh, for a very short season this summer and support the businesses that uh, Michael Vaughan is talking about up and down the country. Um, they're in a deep, deep crisis. We need to have something ready to sell when we open for business again, whenever we open open for business. So all of those arguments are completely valid. Um, Michael Cawley isn't your regular Fault Ireland chairman. You know, down the years, we've had tended to have um, uh, people like uh, Redmond O'Donoghue, Gillian Bowler from outside the industry, and technocrats like Parik O'Kagin, Mark Martell, all the way back to the hoteliers like PV Doyle and Brendan O'Regan, a great friend of Michael Vaughan's father and a county man of Michael's. So Michael uh, Cawley comes from a very different background. His background was Ryanair Ryanair, robust, they have a record of sort of kicking the door open and coming into the room and shouting at everyone. And he was brought in effectively to do that as chair of Fault Ireland. It's not a full-time role, by the way. It's something that's, it's a role that's supposed to go in and ask questions, uh, chair the board, draw uh, focus on issues, which he did very successfully, like um, revenue streaming and training and all of those sort of things. So from outside of the tourism family, he probably misread the situation but as I said at the beginning um, without uh, a strong more than without reading a policy though, of a red list we can't um, he can't be really blamed for going to a green list country Ah uh, come on Owen I mean he's the chair of Falter Ireland and as you say he's across the policy and the policy has been very clear from Falter Ireland staycations you know go for a bit of a break at home use this opportunity to explore Ireland and then he goes to Italy you know I mean where is the leadership you know that's, that's a bit more than misreading the situation isn't it? Uh, it's 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 misreading. It's um, okay. Yeah, it is mis- more than misreading. Sorry for stuttering there. It's a it's a it's more than misreading the situation. You're absolutely right on that. But what uh, you'd expect from your fall to Ireland chair is to be someone who understood international tourism and is a well-travelled man. And I suspect that. Uh, outweighed and his family considerations probably not without having spoken to him family have probably outweighed uh, the optics of the situation as Michael Vaughan says and the grievous hurt that people uh, who are slaving away in the industry and they're working really, really hard to rescue their product felt when they saw the chair of Falch Ireland going abroad. It's not that uh, unusual across international markets for people who are involved in the local tourism industry to travel abroad. In fact, it's quite common and yeah. we've seen it happen in other countries. Sure. OK, um, a couple more texts on this. Um, Michael, you might uh, respond to some of these. One person says, I agree on most issues regarding the optics, but tourism, says this person, has lost an amazing force by losing Michael Cawley and then another person says was it really a resigning matter I doubt the chairman of HB ice cream would go if he was caught eating a Ben and Jerry's 
Well, you know, there's, there's, there's one thing about this situation that, that gives us opportunity, and it's this. We have two tourism organisations in the country. Um, we can't disband Tourism Ireland because it's founded under the, under the Good Friday Agreement, and it's an north-south body. But the minister could appoint the same chair to both bodies and, and somehow uh, unify under the, one, under the one chair. And I think this is an opportunity that shouldn't be missed. We have lots of talent out there. Mr. Corley was an excellent uh, chair. He did a lot of great work. But, you know, we've had, as Owen pointed out earlier, lots of fantastic people in the industry and even on the board of Fort Challenge that could step up to the mark. So I'm, I'm not worried about the longer-term prospect. I think just a, an appointment should be made as soon as possible because we need leadership. We were speaking to Dr. Gabriel Scali a little earlier, Michael, about the green list and travel and about this issue indeed. And his very clear message was people should stay at home for the rest of 2020, um, at, at the least for the rest of 2020. Uh, do you think the green list should go? Is it time to just get rid of them? Are they confusing people? Because they seem to have confused Michael Cawley a little bit. Well, what really needs, it's, rather than the green list going, what really needs to happen is, is, uh, is a policy of testing and, and allowing uh, international travel. We have to get back to normal sooner or later. I think Owen has supported this in the past as well. We, the green list has been a confusing thing. People who are involved in tourism in Ireland and want domestic tourism this year are also have their eye to the international tourists that we can't do without. And as soon as we can, we really have to start trialling uh, the arrival of international tourists and trying to get back to normal. And how has business been, Michael? Well, for me uh, personally, um, so far my business is down 50% on where it was last year. Albeit we ha- we've had a good six weeks of the summer now, um, but it won't make up for, for what we lost in April, May, June. And again, uh, September is going to be somewhere around 20% of what it was last year. October, we won't even think about. So it's a tough time ahead. The staycation has worked, no doubt about it. Um, but there's a new phase we're entering now that's going to need a much, much more, uh, I suppose, uh, concentrated efforts to get business going. And of course, La Hinch, golfing, I'm, I'm assuming you'd have had a lot of US golf tourists normally. Indeed, I would. Um, I cancelled about 6,000 US golfers this year who would have come to, to stay with me. Yeah. Um, and you know, the golf clubs and the golf links all around the coast, they are very, very high-end and high-maintenance uh, places, and they will struggle too. So um, next year, we're hoping that we will get some return. Let's hope for the best. Uh, more generally, what are you seeing, Owen, in terms of trends in international travel and people going or not going? Uh, the, the international travel is going up um, week by week. It went up by about 8% last week. Uh, the green list uh, is a really a shambles by European standards because nobody can make a plan. Michael's golfers from Denmark, for instance, uh, can cancel, will have to cancel coming to Ireland, but they can go to Northern Ireland, come through Dublin Airport to go there. So it is something that doesn't seem to be uh, setting out wh- where we stand in the European plan to reopen travel uh, at some level with going to be done with all the checks and balances uh, that are required but Ireland seems to have opted out of that process and I think that's the biggest problem going forward especially when people are trying to plan 2021 the big question and Gabriel Scali's argument uh, earlier on makes uh, sense shut the borders pull up the drawbridge until everything clears but the big question for every country that has done that and some of them have is what happens next Mm. Um, and and you're saying the green list then you you don't agree with how it's been um, put in place here Uh, what is the status of the Greenless countries at the moment? 
to give you an example, the green list is still exactly as it's, it was uh, last week. But to give you an example, Germany, which is a very important inbound market, and Britain, which is our biggest AVA, about 37% of the flights on and off the island last year, they would both be in the green list if it was being drawn up today. It's not being drawn up today. There are other countries sliding way down, like Spain is sliding way down, Portugal is, is climbing back up again. But what the rest of Europe has done is when, and there's been some confusion of this, I even saw a tweet by somebody who was in advisor to a minister over the weekend is that non-EU countries are being treated as listed and travel within the EU has been opened. And this is really important for our policy. If we were to adopt that policy, the countries that have opened up within the European Union have been picking and choosing the regions. Regions that have very, very big breakouts have been excluded by countries like Norway, like Finland, like Hungary, which is very, very top, lowest case rate in Europe. It's not a case that you have to uh, take everybody in from a country uh, within the European Union. But what we, what they have, what everywhere else in Europe has and we don't, is a policy that we're in this together, that the European borders, shutting down European borders within countries is a retrograde step and it's bad for not only international travel, it's bad for economy and bad for health. Yeah, I I know you're saying that, you know, we're not doing it as good as everybody else, but I mean, we've seen uh, the United Kingdom really struggle with their green list too and changing them here and changing them there and the quarantine rules. I mean, everyone's struggling to try and get the right solution here, aren't they? And there's no easy or obvious right solution. United Kingdom doesn't equate with everyone. I think we're getting obviously huge media coverage from the United Kingdom. I wouldn't be holding them up as an example uh, for uh, for any uh, policy on this. The major countries in uh, Europe, which, you know, the Italy's, the Germany's, the France's, that's where our allegiance lies. That's where we're politically we're aligned with and will be at the end of the year when Britain leaves. And they're and, the sort and, and yet, of oh, messages we saw, we're not getting in Ireland. Yeah, Sarah. if you're talking about like international travel and, and the need to keep the borders open, again, Gabriel Scali was making the point a little earlier on that France had an influx of tourists over the last couple of weeks because it is holiday season and now France is an influx of cases or a spike in cases, you know, a a big spike in cases. Like it does cause problems. Some of the countries that have stayed open have had low low levels. Some of them have had high ones. Some of those that closed uh, have had very low levels. Um, Hungary be a very good example. Um, Finland has been a very, very good example because Sweden next door to it, a bit like us, watching the next door neighbour and their very high levels. But the, the patterns, uh, the data uh, that we're all reading from the European CDC shows that the outbreaks don't follow travel. The outbreaks follow um, major cities, usually the less fashionable suburbs and that you know if you go back through our case of 26,000 27,000 cases 1.6% of them came from travel most of them in the initial two week period a grand total of 40 travel related cases mm. uh, I think in the last six weeks so travel while it's, a, it's the one that's been called out all the time it's not uh, responsible to the degree that it is of course there are going to be imported cases and the real down the line question is here what long term damage are we doing by while the rest of Europe is saying, okay, we're problems, we're managing our outbreaks, Ireland is going around with their hands in their ears saying no travel, we're All closed right. for business, long-term decisions being made, big tour operators like Dare Tours transfer 25,000 future bookings in Ireland out of Ireland because of our government policy. And yeah, the but again, obviously, is, obviously some of them own, went to Northern Ireland travelling through Dublin Airport. Sure, and I hear your argument, but obviously the counter-argument is, as you say, travel brought it into the country, and when we get it to a low level again, 
people are concerned that travel will bring it, continue to bring it into the country. That is the concern of Neffet and, and, and some of the, the top public health experts. Um, now, I think, I think we'll leave this one here, but I'm going to give the final word to one of our texters. This comes from Joe. And Joe says, I'm a Falter Ireland approved tour guide. My company has lost all tours this year and now tours are being cancelled for 2021. We, are, we, involved, we, are, we involved in tourism are fighting to survive. The fact that the chairman of Falter Ireland thought it fit to travel abroad was a kick to us in the industry. He had to go, says Joe. Um, you can keep your text coming to 51551. You can tweet us at Today Radio RTE. For now, Michael Vaughan, owner of Vaughan's Lodge Hotel in La Hinch and Owen Carey, editor of Air and Travel Magazine. Thank you both for joining us. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.